Welcome. Under the Husk, it is August 17th, 2023. We are recording the 5 through 8 ranked teams last year. So we had two playoff teams in this bucket. Uh, Things are going to start getting interesting. There's going to be some contentious takes. Uh, Pin, how we doing? Doing great. It's Thursday. We are 21 days away exactly, almost to the hour. We're recording at 7.30, so you might not hear this till tomorrow. But three weeks away, opening day, vet draft behind us, rookie draft behind us. All we got to do is talk about the teams, talk about the matchups. Thrilled to be here. I think this episode, out of all the matchup preview or the team previews, is going to be my favorite. Yeah, I think this, this is going to be a fun one. It's it's going to be. There's hard decisions to be made here with with records, with player takes, rosters, whatever future outlook. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, that got me a little horned up. Three weeks from now, we're gonna start a little earlier. I think I'm gonna make a note to work from home that day. But we're gonna be recording. The week one matchup preview show and getting ready to watch the Lions and Chiefs kick off. Just let that let that sit on your tongue for, for a second. Mm. Three weeks from now, you're looking at your phone. I don't know what, what you're trying to pull up. By the way, I have a uh, I have been told that I have a, a very short leash on this pod. Mm-hmm. Pin cannot be late. Going downstairs this time. All right, buddy. Do you want to kick us off? Do you want to get the show? You want to? I was just checking the market share for you want to produce operators in New York, and we are back to number one New York. So I was little little hot topic last week. August results came out. DK was trending there early. Okay, what do you want to talk about, Irv Smith? Well, well, tell us. Give us the little breakdown. You made this nice little chart here. Why don't you tell us what we're about to see? We're talking about about four teams. On this episode, which will probably take about eh, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour 15, depending on how long Sniff monologues. But we are talking about The Phantoms, Nadaddy Kong, Gumbius Gumbius in a Dish, and the Eyes of Snakes. So, look, I said that this is going to be my favorite of the four. Uh, we have two teams, Gumbius and Snake Eyes, who made the playoffs last year. We have two teams, The Phantoms and Daddy Kong, who did not. All four teams went through... Some changes in the offseason, some a little bit more radical than others. Um, Some of these owners opted not to do very much in the vet draft. Some of these owners didn't have too many picks in the rookie draft. So a lot has changed from last year to this year. Uh, We will go through each of their records from 2022, their point total, their point rank, and then project their record for 2023 and what we like, what we don't like. And like last week, we'll go through every single team, every single position room, and give our synopsis and analysis on each. So, very excited. This, I mean, you mentioned it in the opener, but like three, well, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler here, but this bucket of teams, it's the middle of the of the pack. But, you know, sometimes the middle of the pack can have like a clear one or two guys and a clear bottom two guys. These guys were tight, um, only about... 200 less than 200 points separated the whole group uh and and you know the top three were within 50 of each other so any of these teams could have and two of them did make the playoffs and it'll be interesting to see how we project them moving into 2023 2024 season uh 
Should we just jump right into it? Start with the Phantoms. We are starting with the Phantoms. Gino brought it to my attention that there may have been a team name change from the Frauds to the Ziff Phantoms at one point in the season. I, I think I remember that correctly. He finished seven and seven, missing out on a playoff spot by by one game, but a lot of points. You'd have to say just just looking at what sure. what the playoff scenario was, but. Uh, with 1,622 points, which was good for the ninth most points in the league. Pin, why don't you get into the roster for me, starting with the QB room. Before the QB room, I just want to give a little background of the Phantoms last year. Start off 0-4, and three of the first four games, the Phantoms failed to crack 100. So by October 5th, Columbus Day, the Phantoms was not in a good spot. Were Were they... Tanking? <laughs> they might have been Zafraz at the time. I don't know if they were Zafraz tanking at the time. Um, however, not a very good start to 2022. I think what we'll get into it is the Phantoms has to have a very, very strong start to 2023. Now, I'm not saying 4-0, but 2-2 two two is an improvement from 0-4. And he lost one game early in the season by five points and everything else after that. Couldn't break 100, so... Really, Onus Sons of Phantoms and Tom Cruise, head coach. Mm, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Let's do that before we get into the, ro- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. roster. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into to, to. Well, no, I'm just, it's more of a note to myself for the next three teams in this show. Yes, I got to yes, announce yes, their, yes. Their, their coaches, which you did not put in the show notes. I forgot. Piece to. of shit. I forgot to. Um, I could rattle it off. What am I paying you for? I bought the IPAs. Uh, and good choice today. But these anyway, got to get sidetracked. These are good. No, so it's Phantoms okay. We're doing fine. Needs to start off strong. I told T um, we're just having one Guinness. <clears throat> four large ones. Um, if he wants to have success this year, and the Phantoms has been on record, the owner, the coach, that said 2023 is the year that they will compete. Uh, we heard some noise last year that they will compete. That obviously didn't come to fruition, but we will see if 2023 is their year. Um, as we delve into the quarterback room, I think this is probably one of the most interesting rooms of the team. Uh, really the most interesting quarterback room of any quarterback room in the league. You have two rookies, CJ Shroud, Bryce Young, who have yet to take a snap in the NFL. You have third-year player Justin Fields, who saw a nice incline last year in terms of his fantasy production. Do you buy into that? Well, mostly by his legs. We'll see if he can do it through the air. Uh, and then we had a member of the Come On Me committee, Deshaun Watson, who after a year and a half of not playing football, gets suspended, didn't really have a great back half, back third of the 2022 season, but fresh year, offense under his belt. We'll see how it goes. And then also... Was that a, on purpose? Under his belt? Under his belt. T- tucked up under his belt? <laughs> He hasn't been getting very good height, but we'll see how he does after a year under his belt. And then, obviously, to round out this squad, who, very interesting prospect, Sam Darnold, obviously went third overall back in 2018 to the Jets. He may or may not be the starting quarterback by week six if and when Brock Purdy gets hurt. So, (laughs) five quarterbacks on this roster, all five of which you could conceivably start if the chips land a certain way. Uh, Excited to see what you have to say about this quarterback room. Well, okay, so they're all on good contracts. So let's I'm not even going to address that, but you have to imagine that 
going into the season, it's Justin Fields and it's Deshaun Watson who Bradley suspects to uh, put into those two superflex spots on, on a weekly basis. Um, you know, there's there's hype around Justin Fields, but the reports from the Deshaun Watson camp have, have not been good. And there was, I mean, basically nothing last season when he played that was encouraging. I've said this. I will continue to say this. I believe that there is a point where an athlete can be mentally like destroyed. And I and I I think it's going to be very hard for Deshaun Watson to get back what he had because of everything that he went through. Um but you bolster the roster with two high-end rookie prospects who project to be the future of this team. So I would let me ask you this, Gino. Mm-hmm. Between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, over under because you gotta think just factor in bye weeks. Over under eight games total started for the Phantoms from them. Under. Uh, I think Justin Fields is gonna be the weekly guy. Uh Deshaun Watson is gonna be on a shorter leash just because he's thirty eight dollars and um Well, but but in in season though. You don't see a world where one of those rookies is perform like in a pocket of the season is performing better than one of those two guys. They might be performing better, but the question was, are they going to start? And the Phantoms could be tilting come Sunday at twelve fifty four. Who do I start? You know, CJ Shroud's coming off a twenty eight point game. Sean Watson just threw three picks, but is it going to be a bounce back game because Sean Watson's playing the Colts? You know, those are some of the conversations you're going to have. And what about, what about when the uh, the polar vortex is going through Chicago and Cleveland at the same time, and, and then you got and then you got Bryce, you got Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, one playing in a dome, the other one playing in in sunny Carolina. I mean, I'm just He's, saying. Sometimes having an abundance of things might not be good. For I'm you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking forward to the tilting. I'm looking forward to the tilting. I I think Deshaun Watson. And really, Justin, but more Deshaun Watson. It's going to be on a very, very short lease with the Phantoms. Short leash with the Phantoms. Um, I think Bryce Young would get the nod over C.J. Stroud uh, if all things are equal. But we will see how Stroud performs. Both of those guys have been getting great hype. I think this is a strong room. It's a room to build off of. I think this time next year, though, I don't think Deshaun Watson's on the team. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Phantom looks to move one of those other three guys, Field, Stroud, or Bryce Young, for a haul yeah. if he doesn't start off uh, like he wants to. If the one and three, two and four, you know, maybe, maybe I do trade a guy to a contender. Maybe I do get rid of Deshaun or Justin or someone else. But be very interesting. To answer your first initial question about Justin Fields, um, there's been a lot of hype, almost too much hype around Justin Fields. I don't think his rushing numbers are going to be replicated year over year. I think he's going to have to earn it with his arm. Not to say he won't be a top 10, top 12 quarterback this year in terms of fantasy, but I think the expectations might have to be tampered down just a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's. That, I think that's fair. And when you, that's, I think, what's probably right now this year. Like, if that's your thought, mm-hmm. there's no quarterback in this room that can currently, like, Win you a matchup, probably. I agree. Um, but I, 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 I'm gonna be keeping my eye on whether or not you know, like you said, this is an abundance of of QB talent, 
and I would be surprised if none of these guys got moved. And, you know, then it's a spoil of riches if, or what is it, what do they say? An embarrassment of riches if Sam Darnold somehow becomes the starter in San Francisco. That's a guy you can easily trade on a $2 contract. I mean, all, uh, all, all it takes is a concussion. And I, well, I hate to I, cut you off. I, I tend to think Trey Lance is the guy that's going in there. Uh, I, I'm a little biased, but... I tend to think that Carmen Electra wants to have sex with me, but <laughs> Carmen Electra. What is she like? Seventy years old? No, she's a ninety. She's like mid. But what a what a name. Uh, anyway, that is the Phantoms quarterback room. Uh, we're gonna move into the, I would say, much contested running back room. Uh, there are six guys in here. Uh, the most expensive being a $26 Javante Williams, Zamir White, Rashad White, Devin Singletary, Roshan Johnson, and Cam Akers. You know, before I pitch it over to, to Gino to, to really break into this, the highest scoring back on the roster had 187 points. So I don't know what that's good for. It's not a running back one. It's, it's probably barely a running back too but you have guys who are all you know either clearly the second guy on their team or being maybe handed the keys to that number one spot which you know it's always it's always a little bit scary to think like can my guy handle it he's getting the workload theoretically but can he do it and you know with a guy like Rashad White being given the keys in Tampa Bay who knows what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs, but if Zamir White gets handed the keys, and then you got uh, Devin Singletary, who's who's a clear two. So if you're looking into this, Cam Akers and Javante are probably the clear guys that get started every week, and then it's sort of a hodgepodge. But I'm, I'm curious to, to hear what you think, if like in the grand scheme of his roster, where does this room kind of... Rank to me, I, th- I think it's a it's a weakness on the Phantoms. I think it is the weakness on the Phantoms. Uh, you made a good point about there's a lot of guys who are either the two or are a sp- uh, supposed to be now the undoubted, unquestioned number one, i.e. Rashad White, uh, Cakers. You can make the case about Javante, although he's coming off an ACL yeah, tear, know. although he is healthy and expected to play 10 to 12 snaps this weekend in the preseason game. Anyway, you brought up a good point. 187 points was the highest back. Last year, that was Devin Singletary. On this team, Devin Singletary might be the RB5, maybe the RB6 behind Zemir White if Josh Jacobs holds out. Um, I would say if Javante Williams is healthy, and that's a big if because he is coming off an ACL only 10 months removed, um, I think you're all right there. And I think Javante Williams is a mid RB two, um, who has a lot of upside, but again, that's, that's your best running back on this team. By the way, uh, David Montgomery or sorry, Devin Singletary was running back 21 on the season. Yes. So exactly. And if Javante Williams scores 200 points, he will be what running back 16. So that is a mid RB two. I think Cakers and Rashad White are very, very interesting because they are guys that a lot of people are taking with the zero running back strategy. There are a lot of uh, people who like taking receiver, receiver, and then waiting for a Cam Akers, Rashad type-esque player in that fourth, fifth, and sixth round in redrafts. When you look at those two guys, I think they have a lot of upside. However, there are things that I'm concerned about. Um, 
outside of the health, I don't really know how productive this Tampa Bay offense is going to be. And outside of just touches and dump downs and pure yards, not sure how many touchdowns Rashad White scores. Um, Cam Akers has been the quote-unquote unquestioned bell cow by many fantasy experts. I think there's going to be a lot of third downs, a lot of goal lines that get taken away from Cam Akers, and you won't see the three-touchdown Christmas Day performance on a weekly basis. There, I think there's also no way he's he's playing 17 games. There's li- there's no chance. Like, like I said, the health. So I think Cam Akers and Rashad White, <clears throat> while they have potential to be high-end running back twos, I think they're going to finish as more low-end running back twos. And I think the question here for the Phantoms is how consistent and how close they stay to that average every single week. If you get ups and downs from Cam Akers and Rashad White, they could certainly win you weeks, but they could also certainly lose you weeks. And I think that consistency is what might be the Achilles heel of the Phantoms down the stretch. So you're saying maybe uh, he's going to be uh, picking guys and, and, and tilting in this room too? I think the Phantoms are going to have some tough decisions to make come 1 o'clock on Sundays. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it may Is the Phantoms tilting? What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, I think Ray just fell into the laundry machine. There's a huge, huge bang. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go check on that in a second, but we're yeah. we're gonna move into the the wide receiver room, which maybe you can make the argument is the only room that Bradley won't be tilting on uh, a regular basis. Come come Sunday at twelve fifty five, he's got one two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys in this room, uh, highlighted by Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. From there, I would say uh, DJ Moore is the clear three. Um, and then you move into this sort of hodgepodge of George Pickens, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Traylon Burks, uh, and then it's sort of your depth pizzas, the Demario Douglas, DJ Chark. Rondell Moore. Um, I like Alec Pierce. Uh, I just I wonder how many opportunities he's going to get. There's Ray, by the way. He, he mm-hmm. made it out of wherever he was. Um, Gino, there's a clear one-two receiver here. Yes. It, I guess if we're calling DJ Moore the three... If I had to say, gun to your head, who is the guy that overtakes him in the three spot that's in this room? Who is it right now? I think right now it's Pickens. I think after the season, it might be JSN. Yeah. Um, If he was healthy, it may or may not have been Traylon Burks. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Traylon just because of DeAndre Hopkins there and obviously the next Cooper Cup, Kyle Phillips. Um, but I think as of right now, on paper, George Pickens projects to be that four who could beat the three. Um, I like JSN's future outlook. I think JSN is a great talent. Um, don't know if he's going to pop first eight weeks of the season, uh, especially with Tyler Lockett still on that team. So maybe this time next year, JSN is the unquestioned three, maybe even two on this team, depending how things go. Um, but to answer your question, I think it's George Pickens. I think this receiver room is the strength of the Phantoms. Um, because it has top-end talent, but also has a lot of depth. If you go down the lineup, uh, your fifth receiver could be a guy like Traylon Burks when he's healthy. Your sixth receiver could be a guy like Alec Pierce, who may or may not be the deep threat uh, go-to target 
for Anthony Richardson outside of Michael Pittman. Uh, Michael Pittman's getting a lot of bad buzz around camp. I still think he's a number one, but Alec Pierce could really develop uh, as that long-term role. And then you got guys who are banged up but are coming back. Wandale Robinson, he had a pretty nice rookie season before he got hurt. Stinks. Um, he's a guy who I think, if healthy and in on the field, um, you can make a case that he's an every week starter as your wide receiver three. Really, I, I honestly uh, do. That's a, maybe on your team. The, oh, that's loaded at wide receiver. No, I'm, I'm, on, on the live I'm, on the air. I'm, we're we're live right now. You're looking at the Phantoms roster right now. These eleven guys. Look me in the proverbial eyes and tell me that your wide receiver room is better than this one. Slight nod to the Phantoms. Oh, slight nod. Okay, for now. Uh, I mean, he's already got Traylon Burks banged up, and you know, again, we, we can see what happens. But um, not a big believer in DJ Shark. Uh, I know Bradley is uh, not a big believer in Rondell Moore. Um, I, I do think Wondell Robinson is the interesting one because I think he can, like I said, develop into that wide receiver three four for this team, not only this year but next year. I, I really, I really do believe that. So uh, it's deep. It's got a lot of talent. It's got a lot of good contracts. Uh, only guy above. Thirty dollars is Jamar Chase at thirty dollars. Yeah. So, um, young, good, a uh, lot of promise here. Just staying healthy, and then again, decision is which one to start on a weekly basis. Yeah, and uh, we we won't get too much into it because we're we're giving we're giving Brad a lot of airtime here. But uh, I always like to look at the the trade angle just in any team and any show that we do, and like like you said, the the top paid guy is thirty dollars. Um, we mentioned he could use some some help in the running back room. There's a world I see Bradley trading one of these cheap-ish receivers that can make an impact this season or even into the future if he's making a run and needs a, a running back who can plug and play on a weekly basis. So definitely the strength of the Phantoms. Um, but you can make an argument that this tight end room is a strength as well. There are three guys on the team. Uh, I guess proportionally, he's almost he's probably paying this room the most. Uh, he is led by Kyle Pitts at $34, followed by Dallas Godare at 11 and Cole Kometmias at $3. What's interesting is that we're tight end premium, but we're not tight end premium to the point where you're probably ever going to want to start more than one of them. Um, and these three guys, when you look across the league, uh, probably start on any team. Um, so it'll be interesting. We could just talk about their prospects a little bit, but like we, we think that all of these guys are probably solidified as top 10 tight end selections. Um, and so, you know, they're, none of them are young enough where I think they're untouchable for a trade. So it'll be interesting to see if these three guys end their year on the Phantoms roster. I think the only guy who's, who's probably worth trading um, or capable of being traded is Kyle Pitts. And that's just because his contract. Pin me speaking to the mic. I'm speaking in. Um, I don't think the Phantoms ever going to get rid of Dallas Goddard on $11. And I think similarly, $3 for Cole Komet could be your tight end two for the next four or five years. He's not good. Very content with that. Um, I think he's pretty good. He won Project Mayhem a championship last year. Anyway, um, Kyle Pitts is a guy who's been tossed around more than, you know, Daniel Odika uh, <laughs> in this league. Uh, picked up last year by J.O.S. Whoa! 
and then cut and then whatnot. So the Phantom gets him at a, a little bit of a fat contract for the Phantoms. It's a very fat contract at 34. And I think he is storing him for two purposes. One, if Kyle Pitts explodes, he's your starter. He's a freak. Um, if Kyle Pitts explodes, but Dallas Goddard is out producing him, which is also a possibility, then the Phantoms looks to trade for that running back for a, a needy team who maybe got a tight end injury or is maybe just streaming tight ends because there aren't too many top end guys. So yeah. strength for the Phantoms, a little top heavy in terms of the dollar contracts allocated to this position. But I do think one of these guys, most likely Kyle Pitts, is going to be on the move. And I think the Phantoms is thinking the same thing as well. Yeah, uh, they are assets. So, you know, now you know, this is the most important aspect of this segment. Where is he finishing? What will Bradley's record be in this season? I originally had the Phantoms going nine and five. Wow. I'm going to move him down to eight and six because I just don't trust that running back room. I also just looking at the quarterback and the receiver room while it is strong. I do feel like there are going to be too many weeks where some guy or guys let you down. So I'm going to give the Phantoms an 8-6. and six. It can be enough to get in the playoffs because three 8-6 and six teams made it last year. Um, I just don't know at this point. So I'm going to say 8-6, and six, but a playoff berth for the Phantoms. You're giving him the playoff berth. Okay. Yes. He hired Tom Cruise as his head coach. He should have hired Jeff Fisher. I got Bradley going 7-7 seven and seven, uh, until he makes the decision to go all in and doesn't have more than one first-round draft pick. I, I think uh, the roster construction, while while I think structurally is great, uh, needs a few more splash pieces to really, really make that impact. And, you know, you drafted two quarterbacks uh, that have bright futures in the NFL, and you have some guys on, that are young on good contracts. So maybe it's not this year. I think it's going to be another 7-7 seven and seven year where there's points in the season where Brad's tanking and there's points in the season where he is a force to be reckoned with. Just short, 7-7, seven and seven, no playoff berth. And it could be like a we're looking at week 14, he's got a win and, and it's an in situation. So I don't think it's going to be like not competitive, but I think that there are some thin areas on the roster that could hamper this team. Our next team... Nadaddy Kongju finished the season at eight and six with seventeen hundred and fifty-two points. That was good for six most points in the league. We mentioned three eight and six teams made the playoffs. This was not one of them. It was not. Uh, came down to a point total discrepancy, not discrepancy, but a point total scenario. And Nadaddy Kong was on the outside looking in. Lost out in the point total because he was sixth in points behind Gumbius, who was fifth in points by 17. So that is the margin, the razor-thin margins of getting you in to the playoffs and the dance in OG Cornman and that of not leaving you outside. And then eventually winning the number three spot for his younger brother. So that investigation is still open, by the way. It is. And Daddy Kong, 8-6 and six in 2022. Obviously, the year prior, went all the way to the championship, lost his boats. Um, but we're not talking about 2021. We're not talking about 2022. We're talking about 2023. And Daddy Kong, last year in the vet draft, went all in on a 90 what two three four dollars Alvin Kamara. 
panned out not so well. Uh, and Daddy Kong this year, vet draft went all in on DeAndre Swift, all in, quote unquote, $30. Um, the big thing about Nadadi Kong, he's one of those three teams that has 20 roster spots. Yep, I was just looking at that. And zero cap space. So, again, didn't do too much maneuvering year over year. Now, he did acquire Keenan Allen in the offseason from Boats. Um, however, Zafant, uh, Nadadi Kong is saying, look, I like my core. I like my team. We're going to try it again for one year. Go all in. Um, and when we start with the quarterback rooms, I would probably make the case that this is one of the better quarterback rooms in the league um, because you have a really high end, in my opinion, top five guy, Justin Herbert, set up for a lot of success, going to throw a ton of yards, ton of pa- passing touchdowns with a full complement of weapons if they stay healthy. And then you got a guy who, despite what many people think was a top 12 quarterback in fantasy points last year, Daniel Jones, I think Daniel Jones is only going to get better through the air. I think he's going to get more efficient. Uh, might not have the rushing totals and the rushing touchdowns. However, he will flirt with that wide receiver. I'm sorry, quarterback 12, quarterback 15 throughout the season. So I think that Daddy Kong, if you start from the top, is in a very, very good position to get his team back on the right ship with both Herbert and Daniel Jones. Yeah, and Zach Wilson's on the roster. I don't. I guess you keep Who? him. Yeah. I guess you keep him just if you're living in the pipe dream that like Aaron Rodgers is like there now and he's like the reverse cuck Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, don't get me don't get me riled up. I do agree with you on the assessment that this is one of the better rushing rooms. What's interesting or quarterback room? Sorry. What's interesting is that Daniel Jones has the rushing upside. That's what where I was going with that. Uh, and Justin Herbert is more of the pocket passer, can throw for 35 to 40 touchdowns this season. It's interesting because in our league, you kind of need both because we, we've devalued the passing touchdown to four points um, while the rushing is, is at six. So I agree that this is a strength, but... You know, we're talking about this coming season. I would be remiss not to mention the fact that Justin Herbert is $82, and you're getting to the territory where that's probably the equivalent of spending like a a one a, a, a two three turn on a on a quarterback in redraft. Does he re- return that kind of value? So there's a world where next year it's it's Daniel Jones and Mac Jones, the Jones brothers. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. Starting. So we, we didn't really talk about Mac Jones, but, I, I you know, for a three, if you got to plug him in in the bye weeks, absolutely, you're in a better position than most teams in the league. Um, yeah, and, and I'll say this just in closing with the quarterback room, uh, two things. One, many people forget this. Daniel Jones outscored Justin Herbert last year um, by 27 points. So that's yeah, like no, I, a whole I, week that Daniel Jones well, outscored Herbert. Herbert missed a couple games already. He had the he had the rib thing. Mm, I think he missed like one game. Uh, anyway, still enough, enough, but a discrepancy of what seventy six dollars, seventy eight dollars, and no rush, rushing is important in this right. league. And Daniel Jones, what did, what did he have like seven hundred yards on the ground? Probably close to it. And the other thing too um, is that it, it's a case study very similar to JOS of what does Nadadi Kong do. This time next year, when you have a guy who's going to be approaching the triple digits, uh, he won't be next year, but he's approaching it. Um, do we build around him and do we shave cap elsewhere? So I think he does. 
and I think making moves like Keenan Allen to kind of support the quarterback has already played into Nadaddy Kong's hand. But very interesting if this season doesn't work out for Nadaddy Kong, what they do with Justin Herbert next year. Uh, again, I think they build around him, but plans could change. Just ask the Phantoms. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work moving forward. But we mentioned that there are only twenty guys on the roster, and they are at the cap limit. Um, so when you look at an eighty-two dollar guy, it, the the math becomes difficult to work out uh, around how you would keep him. But moving on, we're, we're going to go into the running back room, which was certainly a strength on the back of I would say two surprise studs last year. Uh, I think Nadaddy Kong's looking back and saying, man, we kind of wasted the two like big hits on running backs that were not probably expected to be that way. I'm talking about Josh Jacobs and Jamal Williams. Was Josh Jacobs the running back one last year? He was RB2, I believe, outside of Eckler. Scored more touchdowns. But anyway, you you had a guy in Jamal Williams who scored, what, 18 touchdowns, and you had Josh Jacobs, who was just an absolute stud. You got to imagine, well, you know Jamal Williams is taking a step back. You got to imagine Josh Jacobs does too, if he even reports. Uh, And then followed by David Montgomery, Samaj P. Ryan, and as you noted, a $32 DeAndre Swift out of the vet draft. I'll, I'll say this. I'm actually most intrigued... I mean, Josh Jacobs is. I think we we know what he is. I'm I'm intrigued to see what type of role David Montgomery gets this season and, and what he can do in that Detroit offense. I think that offense is going to be good, and I don't think he's doing Jamal Williams numbers, but I think he gets a little bit more play between the twenties uh, where where Jamal Williams didn't, and um, he he could be an interesting guy this year. But what what are your thoughts on this running back room? Yeah, I think it's thin, but it's interesting because, like you said, Josh Jacobs did finish number two last year, uh, two points behind Austin Eckler. Two points, okay. Um, currently holding out, so there's a concern there. Um, make matters worse, and Daddy Kong did drop. He did drop Zamir White uh, before the vet draft. Zamir White obviously got picked up by the Phantoms. Um, so there's issues there. If Josh Jacobs doesn't return or if he returns late— or if he just doesn't have a season like he did last year. So uh, I'm going to buy that Josh Jacobs is going to finish his RB2, maybe an RB7 through 10. Um, but then again, you look at Jamal Williams. I think it's really interesting because Alvin Kamara is going to miss the first three games. Kendra Miller's already banged up. You already knew Jamal Williams was going to get goal line touches, kind of like his output. He finishes RB12 last year. Again, don't think he'll finish that this year, but certainly for the first four weeks. I like his outlook. Um, and then a guy who finished his RB22 last year, David Montgomery. Offense wasn't great last year. He's not going to be asked to do everything this year. I think he's going to finish in that 16 to 24 range and be a consistent RB2. Uh, won't have the 30-point weeks, but also won't have the 5-point weeks. I think he's going to be pretty consistent. So it does rest on sorry, Josh Jacobs' return. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, again, similar to the quarterback room, if things fall his way, instead of starting off two and four, this team might finish start off four and two. So I, I kind of like the running back room situation. Obviously, depending on Josh Jacobs. Yeah, we talked about this concept with with the Phantoms' quarterback room 
I think this is similar in the sense that, like, I think there's a lot of guys here with great floor. If Josh Jacobs doesn't provide the ceiling, I think that this room, you probably guarantee him for 22 points every single week, 23 points. Um, but do they ever go over 30? I don't know. Uh, so an interesting thing to look at, by the way, is like, they're, this is a strategy that I've heard about. I don't know if they're employing it on purpose, but like, don't really go after young running backs, just like kind of in, in dynasty, just like trade for and employ older veteran running backs. You kind of know what they are and you know what you're going to get. Like these guys are 33, 30, $32 and like not young. So I wonder how the daddy Kong plans on like filtering these guys out of their roster. Uh, when you talk about building around Justin Herbert, like, yeah, you drop all these guys, but I don't believe they have a first round pick. So it'll be interesting to see like, there's this team, I think more than others that's in this like middle of the pack range is going to be looking at the future in the middle of the season and deciding what they want to do. Um, the wide receiver room, we'll we'll get over to you, Pin, in a second, but I think it's probably considered one of the strengths of this roster. Uh, it's headed up by Keenan Allen at $51, T. Higgins at $23, and Debo Samuel at $11. Uh, on the fringes, I think Cortland Sutton kind of maybe alongside Brandon Cooks brings up this second tier. Cooks is $5, Sutton is 7 <clears throat> and then you have Darius Slayton, Randall Cobb, and OBJ rounding out that room. So I think there's a clear top three. There's a clear two guys that you could plug in during buys or if someone gets hurt. And then this this final group is like older veterans on cheap contracts who I think in a pinch you can get away with. So this this room to me, it's got the depth. But it also has the upside in those top three guys. So a definite strength here. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think at first glance, agree with your assessment. There's a top three. Is Keenan Allen somewhat too expensive? Yes, but again, you traded for him uh, and only for a third-round pick. So I think Nadaddy Kong knew, hey, I'm still in it this year. Uh, we were 8-6 and six last year. We could run it back. Maybe get some reinforcements at the receiver position. Keenan Allen essentially is your one. T. Higgins and Debo Samuel round out that 2-3. You bring up a good point about Cortland Sutton. Getting a lot of hype. Uh, I do think he won't have as bad as a season or as inconsistent of a season as he did in 2023. Uh, and then other names to monitor. Brandon Cooks could emerge as the reliable number two in Dallas. And then OBJ... Yeah, there's been a lot of Zay Flowers hype. Yes, Rashad Bateman's coming back. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Odell Beckham is eventually the number one receiver in Baltimore Yeah, if he could stay on the field, for sure. So, again, I do think this is a strength. Uh, it's just very funny when you look at the Daddy Kong and his wide receiver rooms over the past three years. Two years ago, when Debo was having a great year and Coral Sutton was having a great year and T. Higgins was having a great year, it was money. Then all of a sudden, Brandon Cooks has a down year. T. Higgins gets hurt. Debo Samuel kind of goes away. And then Cortland Sutton has a quarterback who's, you know, doing jumping jacks on airplanes. And you realize what the hell's going on with this receiver room. So part of the reason that they might have missed the playoffs last year was the inconsistency at this position. We'll see how consistent it is this year. Again, similar to that running back room. If it breaks his way, then watch out. 
Uh, again, that's a big if. So we'll, we'll monitor that situation. I do think this is a B plus, A minus wide receiver room. Yeah, and, and like the contracts outside of Keenan aren't bad. Like n- none of these guys have to go. Even Ke- I mean, he will be old next year, but none of them have to go if they are studs this year. So I like the room, um, and I think it's going to need to be leaned on in that flex spot. Um so, a strength for Nadaddy Kong. And getting into the final room, uh, you have big name power in George Kittle. Uh, he's $50. He was probably the tight end, what, three or four uh, this year? Sorry, like five or six maybe? I don't know. 205 points, that feels high for a tight end world. Um, and then you have Mike Kosicki, who I think unfortunately – Kind of got punted into the void up in New England. Uh, they drafted Luke the Schoonman, Schoonmaker. Schoonman. Uh, yeah. Come Jake again. Ferguson is, is getting all the hype in that camp, but the Schoonman was drafted for a reason. Uh, I think he's battling he's some sort of injury. Asked. You think he's asked? Okay, this is the Musgrave. Gino said Musgrave is obviously the top rookie tight end this year. Um, yeah. But, I mean... There's not much to break down. I think just you're starting George Kittle every week uh, and praying to God that, one, he's efficient and that offense is efficient, and, two, that he stays in the field, which he's struggled to do in the past. I think if – I think this is a team where you hate to say this and think this, but, like, if George Kittle does get hurt, you may be better off – on the waiver wire than, than with who you're in the middle of the season. I don't, I'm not claiming to know who those guys are now, but I don't get the sense that either of these guys through week six are going to be making any impact on the field. Well, we just talked about the phantoms and potentially trading someone in his tight end room. Let's just say for argument's sake, George Kittle, who has a history of not being able to stay healthy, does get knocked out week four or five. So now you have this $50 George Kittle contract, which is a terrible contract, by the way. Yeah. Gets knocked out. You just, I think you just drop him. And I, I'm about to say, oh, he separated his shoulder and he won't be back till week 13. Drop. Trade for Kyle Pitts. What do you want? A second? Boom. I'll also give you a uh, a receiver, too, or a running back. Who knows? Maybe Mac Jones because the Phantoms loves hoarding his quarterbacks. Now, all of a sudden, Daddy Kong has a better outlook because it really all rests on George Kittle. I think he's going to have a good year. I don't know if he's going to have a great year. I'll probably fade him in most redrafts. But again, similar to the running back room, similar to the wide receiver room, things have to break right for Nadaddy Khan. Mm-hmm. Last year they didn't, the year prior that they did. The other thing we're not mentioning here is George Kittle and Debo Samuel, same team. So if one has a monster week, most likely one won't have another good week, and they're both going to be in the starting lineup. Normally you get by with that. You know, Debo's running back. the running He's a running back. <laughs> oh, natural, baby. So I'm just saying, if George Kittle goes out two touchdowns and a buck 20, don't really think that Debo Samuel is going to be involved, vice versa. So that could come back to bite you. And again, I know a lot of people uh, implore that combination, whether it's quarterback, wide receiver, running back, receiver, whatever it might be, two players on the same team. Uh, but I'd be a little bit more hesitant and apprehensive about this combination specifically for Daddy Khan. All right, Pin. They were eight and six last year, missed the playoffs by fifteen points. 
do they get over the hump this year? No, I see regression in Daddy Kong 7-7. Seven and seven. I think he's going to finish outside of the top six in points, missing the playoffs for the second straight year, and people have to question, is Daddy Kong a fraud? Yeah, uh, I have serious regression here. A 5-9 and nine finish. All you can hope for is that Daddy Kong wises up to what is going on around him, them, sorry, and becomes a seller at the deadline, maybe, hopefully, acquiring a first-round pick in order to kickstart the rebuild. Uh, I've heard there's a sponsor that we want to... Uh, uh, this is, a, this is a, a, uh, an off-season sponsor. That is rare, folks. Gino, whenever you're ready, before we get into the second two teams, we will have a an ad read. Don't miss the Tony Award-winning Shucked. This corn-fed, cornbread, American musical from the hottest names on Broadway in Nashville is sure to satisfy your appetite for a great musical. Shucked on Broadway now. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean, we knew that they were in, like, peak Broadway season. Thespian Pin is has been going to, to shows. Um, just that's Todd. great. I'm, I'm glad we could secure them uh, during their run. And again, they, they, they knew our content really didn't vibe with their uh, target audience. So No, it's quick, it's for the wives, though. Right. Quick, you know, 20-second read, in and out, shucked, corn, boom. Good we're, for SEO also. We're hoping for a, a little bit more of a full integration uh, come this season. I don't want to tease anything because uh, the deal's not in place yet. But we will see. On to Gumbius. Gumbius in a dish. How many Gumbiuses do you wish? Gumbius was... Eight and six last year. We mentioned that Nadaddy Kong missed out by 15 points. Gumbius was the beneficiary, finishing with 1,769 points. Good for fifth in the league. So you would you would say that he he earned his playoff spot. Uh, and a, a team that uh, I think had a few things break wrong towards the end of the season. Uh, and found himself with some high-end players, uh, but maybe a lack of depth. So let's just jump right in, Pin. Who are the quarterbacks for Gumbius? Well, it's not pretty. Um, it's cheap, but it's not pretty. You have second-year Kenny Pickett at the helm, $11. He will be your week-in, week-out starter. Uh, and then comeback player of the year, yours truly, Genoa Smith at $3. Um 315 points last year, so uh, that was good for right around a QB1, QB2 fringe. Um, interesting to see if he replicates those numbers. We were talking about it early, pre-pod, off-pod. Um, while Kenny Pickett and Geno Smith don't wow you, it's not a Herbert and a D. Jones. It's not a Jalen Hurts and someone else. It's not a Burrow and someone else. Uh, I think you have two consistent guys who... In this league, if you have two consistent quarterbacks week in and week out, you're somewhat happy. And, oh, by the way, they only cost $14, which is a big thing for Gumbia. So I give this room a B. I think it lacks upside, but I think it thrives on consistency. And I think in 2023, that's what Gumbia is striving for. Here's what I'll say. Consistent, maybe. But Kenny Pickett's... Highest scoring game, week 10, he had 21 points. Beyond that, he only broke 15 points one time 
the entire season. So, but he's the breakout candidate. I, I mean, I, according <laughs> to who? I I don't I, I don't think that it can get much better with this basically the exact same pieces um, in that offense. So, I agree with you that the oh no, where did it go? Geno Smith. He's got a nice floor. I think he's probably got like a an 18-point floor. Uh, and they added weapons to that offense. That's all they did. Um, but the rest, of the, the, the rest of the QB room is scary. I mean, you got Taylor Heineke. You got Marcus Mariota. You got Colt McCoy. No, no. You, have, like, you have Tucci. They're not even really backups. I mean, like, these are guys who, they're not like young backups. They're, they're like old wrinkled vets so it, it's scary for gumbo going into the season so thin and so thin without like a real true stud cornerstone piece of the future so we talked about as a phantoms having a bunch of young guys a bunch of relatively cheap guys is this a trade partner if it goes right for Gumbius, and it goes wrong for the Phantoms, maybe. But I think this season, the theme of this entire season and, and moving into the offseason is what is Gumbius doing at quarterback? Uh, because there's not a lot there for the future. Yeah. You, like you said, he's going to get along fine this year. But I, I don't think that's, that's accurate. I think Gumbius has $46 in his cap for a reason, and it is to trade midseason. I didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did. Well, I'm talking about what he's what he, what is on the roster today. I, I and I'm if I would finish my point, Sniffs, uh, I think Gumbius is judging this year as saying, "How do I start? Do I start one and four? I'm not going to be a buyer. Do I start four and two, three and three? Might want to be a buyer, and that buyer is probably dependent on his two quarterbacks." Because that's also dependent on his record. So if his two quarterbacks start off hot and Gumbo starts off hot, he might buy a receiver, which we'll get into with that $46 in cap space. Um, so, again, I don't want to jump the gun, but no. Gumbius could be a buyer and or a seller very early on. And, again, same theme throughout these past three teams. How they start is going to be crucial to not only if they're a buyer or a seller, but the, the outlook of this team moving forward. Phantom starts off one and four, blow it up. And Daddy Kong starts off two and five, forget about it. Gumbo five and two, he's buying. Yeah. I, I think you can almost make an argument just like as a theme for this group here. Like the stakes are even higher here than they are for the like all in teams. Cause at least the all in teams, like, it's clear that they have that like top tier. I'm going all in. I think there's like, like you said, there's the bull case and there's the bear case for all of these teams. And if it really doesn't hit and then you don't kind of commit to the tank or commit to the being a seller, it can get bad for you for the next two, three years. So mm -hmm. uh, that might be harsh, might be a little drunk, a little stoned, but uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm using Gumbius as the crystal ball here to project uh, across this group. But we'll move into the running back room. Uh, some some guys on very big contracts uh, who I think are set to have a lot of volume. Uh, it's led by Derrick Henry at $82. Uh, 
Uh, you got to imagine this is his last year on the team. Dalvin Cook, newly signed Jet at $61. Miles Sanders at $41. Doll Hairs. You got Alex Alex Madison, who, you know, he was a preseason darling. He's he's cooled down a little bit, but for five bucks, you love to have him. And then Latav and Cordaro rounding it out. I think another room that's not young, but projects to have a lot of depth. And if you can capture the little windows and the pockets of the seasons where these guys are gonna probably, you know, get their most work, uh, if you do it right. I think this could be a real strength for Gumbius. It is a strength for Gumbius. It's also a very expensive room for one Gumbius. And by the way, we failed to mention his head coach, President of Football Operations, Santa Claus. Um, Santa Claus is looking at it saying, look, we held on to Dalvin Cook for a reason. Could have easily cut Dalvin Cook two months ago. Easily. Pre-bet. Didn't have a team. I think it was a win that he kept him now that I'm looking at it. Bad guy's an agent, didn't have a team. He's, he's just misunderstood. Kelp kept Dalvius, Granite 61, to pair with Derrick Henry. Those are your one-two punch, you have to think, but you also have Miles Sanders and Alex Madison to be your 3-4. Um, the latter, Alex Madison, only being $5, a guy you want to keep for pretty much as long as his you know, running back career as an RB1 in Minnesota continues. And yeah, Lat Murray and Corderell Patterson are there. So all in all, very, very expensive room for Gumbo. Obviously his strengths obviously will rely on this team, uh, this group the most, to propel his team forward. If guys like Derrick Henry doesn't have his typical Derrick Henry year, or if he hurts his foot again, if Miles Sanders tweaks his hammy, if Alex Madison gets hurt or does a timeshare, Gumbius goes from an 8-6 and six playoff team to a 5-9 and nine seller dweller. And he's looking to sell. So, again, a lot riding on this running back room. Strength, expensive. We'll see how it plays out. I agree with the whole take. But what I will say is that the these guys are the type of guys I'm that you— I'm so excited for week one. <laughs> these guys are the type of guys that you want to be expensive. They're not young. Uh, they, they project to have, like, one final kind of— running back one volume season in them. So, yeah, if Derrick Henry doesn't work out, if Dalvin Cook doesn't work out, if Miles Sanders doesn't work out, you've just found yourself with $200 in cap space uh, going into a rebuild. So, I, great point. I think Gumbius is in a good spot. Um, I think this this running back room is not sexy with young guys and, and, and you know, littered with potential top 10 guys, but... I think it's going to be efficient, and I think it's going to be if you got to plug in Latav. Based on what I'm hearing out of the the camp reports, like he could get you eight points if you need it. Uh, so I like the room, and I like the fact that it's 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 like a running. But it, these guys are all on like franchise tags for Gumbius, and and if he has to right. cut them, he can. Uh, the next room, though, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about the wide receiver room. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys in the roster. Not a single one cracked 170 points last year. Uh, believe it or not, it is led by, at least by points last season, Mike Williams at $7. Uh, you got to imagine the 1A or even the the 1B maybe 
D-Hop at $36, and then it's just a whole bunch of, you know, I don't know. It, there is Noah Brown, there's Isaiah Hodgins, there's Richie James, there's Alan Lazard, there's Josh Palmer, there's A.T. Perry, there's Josh Reynolds, there's MVS, and there's Olamide Zacchaeus. So, you know, you're trotting out Mike Williams, and you're trotting out D-Hop on a week-to-week basis, but, you know, even those two guys... Ah, One's not young, and he's on a new team. The other one's not really young, and he has a hard time playing 17 games a season. Uh, what's your assessment of this room? I know what you think already, but like, give me the honest breakdown of, of this, this room uh, this season and moving forward. Yeah, it's straight ass. Uh, it's serial ass. So Serial I, ass. I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins at $36. As your one, as a what, 29, 30 year old, 31 year old receiver, it, you really can't justify that. Um, just as you talked about running backs being the quote unquote franchise tag position, and I agree with you there. Expensive veteran guys, a one year plug and play guys, receiver is the exact opposite. You want them young, you want them cheap, you want them around for a while. Uh, that is not DeAndre Hopkins. So, while DeAndre Hopkins is your pseudo one, uh, it doesn't really get much better than that, Gumbius. And it really begs the question, why didn't you spend the $46 extra on Deontay Johnson on a Jerry Judy in the vet draft? Uh, your number two, Mike Williams, I love him. He has a uh, knack for getting injured. And right now he has a little more competition on his hands with QJ coming to, to town. But I do like him at $7. Uh, and then to round it out, you're forced to start, what, Alan Lazard is your three? Uh, seriously, it's no, a yeah, question, I mean, it, but it's, 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 it's him. Well, it's a I, fair so question. The question I was going to throw at you is, who scores the third, assuming that it's Mike Williams and it's D-Hop, who scores the third most points in that wide receiver room? I have to say Lazard because I think Lazard can be, can be, uh, the wide receiver two for Rodgers on the Jets. I, I do. I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson and Al, Alan Lazard. However, last year I was pounding the table for Alan Lazard as the number one in Green Bay, and he returned wide receiver four results. Seriously, he did. A couple good weeks, a couple bad weeks, injured here or there. He's just not your alpha. He's a wide receiver three at best. So... But outside of that, I mean, let's just say DeAndre Hopkins misses a week. Let's just say Mike Williams rolls. Is it, is it Isaiah it, Hodgins? Exactly. So, and you is it have the ass. And you, no, it's not in the ass. And you have to start three wide receivers in this league every single week. So I think the way that it's set up for Gumbo does not bode well. I give the receiver room probably a C minus, probably one of the worst in the leagues. Not surprised if this is going to be the reason why Gumbius misses the playoffs. Yeah, uh, agree. Absolute weakness. Um, that being said, you got the tight end too. Maybe even the argument for the tight end one in this room in Mark Andrews. I know Gino's giving me a look, but there's a world. I mean, he's done it already, but there's a world where Mark Andrews outscores Travis Kelsey. Uh, then you have Greg Dolchich who is a promising young player on the Denver Broncos, and Taysom Hill, who I don't even know. I don't know what they're going to do with him this year. Sean Payton's obviously no longer there. They don't have that weird 
affinity to play him at quarterback, I don't think. But I think the conversation begins and ends at a $27 Mark Andrews. He's a career guy on this roster. Uh, and I think he is, week in and week out, the one clear positional advantage that Gumbius is going to have over every opponent, almost every opponent. I would agree. Um, we haven't really mentioned the word strength when it comes to Gumbius all too much, although we do like his running backs. Um, this is a strength, not just from a top-end Mark Andrews, but also a, a value and a contract standpoint. Um, because Gumbius hired Santa Claus, uh, I don't think Taysom Hill ever leaves this team uh, big on, his, on his current contract. No, just big New Orleans, you know, down in the gumbo area. Uh, same thing with A.T. Perry. So um, I just don't think if a saint comes to gumbo, he's, he's a gumbo for life. Um, but as you mentioned, Greg Dolchich, a lot of upside there. Uh, going on his second year last year throughout the board in Denver was a disaster. $4, love him. Mark Andrews, only $27. I mean, you contrast that with other tight ends around the league. We mentioned Kyle Pitts already. He's cheaper than Kyle Pitts. Um, you look at a guy like Kelsey, who's, what, 68 69 $70? He's a third of that. So Mark Andrews can be, and I, I, I don't want to fight back. I mean, he can be the tight end one. Uh, I think his lowest rank will be tight end four this year. So every single week you're going in with an advantage. Big advantage for Gumbo, not just from a short term, but also a long term with the flexibility to either trade and or grow that position with Dolce. So um, I give that position group probably a B plus, A minus, um, just sheer talent. Uh, probably an A minus. Overall, though, Gumby is Gumby is in a dish. What is your wish? Why has you going six and eight, missing the playoffs? I think this is the first year of the first three in corn that Gumby has fails to make the playoffs. He made the playoffs the first two years, not happening this year. It's very tough to make the playoffs three straight years. Only three teams have made the playoffs for two consecutive years. Gumby is going to be on the outside looking in, and we're going to have to be asking ourselves, did he do enough in the offseason to really revamp that roster? Yeah, and, you know, when you look at what's going on in the 2022 or 2024 rookie draft, Gumbius does not have his first-round pick. So I agree with you. This is the only team that we have full agreement on our projection. I have him going 6-8, and eight, first year missing the playoffs. The big question for me is, does Gumbius get on board with being a seller and looking to the future, you know, even at the the three and five record, you know, you got to get ahead of the curve, maybe be the first one to move the market. But I agree, Gumbius, not a playoff team in 2023. Ah. Our last team, he was a little riled up in the group chat today. He finished eight and six with the third most points at 1,802. We're talking about Snake Eyes. He made it all the way to the championship where he fell in a valiant battle against Deshaun's massage parlor. He has stated publicly on multiple occasions, how do I not win this year? Uh, I don't know how Gino feels, but I'm ready to poke a few holes in that theory. Well, I'll start off by saying this. Uh, Snake Eyes, manager of the year last year. He went from a... 2-14 and 14 ass 2021 
turned it around eight and six, got hot at the right time, made the right moves, pushed the right buttons, if you will. You know what I'm saying? He's got the jaw protruding out right now. McCaffrey, welcome on board. DK Metcalf, thank you very much. Snake Eyes did a lot of good things. Now, Snake Eyes, like Nadaddy and like a team we'll talk about next week, DMP, boycotting. Um, one of those teams that only is imploring the 20-man roster. Snake Eyes, very top-heavy. And really, when you look at this tight end room, uh, quarterback room, probably one of the weaker spots on this roster. I would say the weakest room. You have cheap guys. You just don't have guys that necessarily will pop or win you a week. So Kirk Cousins, great year last year. I think he's going to have a borderline quarterback one year, uh, 12, 13, 14 range. Stafford obviously got hurt last year. We'll see if he's healthy. He is healthy. Uh, again, going to get you anywhere in that QB 12 to 15 range. Um, it can be the Achilles heel of this team. I will say that uh, because I think there might be weeks throwing out injury where everything else is equal and you go up against a Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, and your two guys just don't get you over the hump. Because, again, how you structured your roster, Snake Eyes, not saying it's wrong, the quarterback room is not a strength, and you have to start two, which kind of brings down the overall potential of this team on a week-in and week-out basis. And it, it did you wonders last year. We'll see how it pans out this year. Yeah, I, that that's sort of my downside take for Snake Eyes is that, and I'm a I'm a Rams fan, soy boy Rams fan, and you know, there's a world where just like last year they sort of implode, and you know, by week seven to ten. They're saying like, ah, do we, you know, and you have this guy, but do we, do we throw Stetson Bennett in? Is it a career for Matthew Stafford? Uh, and then you mentioned the second quarterback and Kirk Cousins. You kind of know what you're getting there, but it, but like you said, if you're going all in, you want to feel like you have a positional advantage in every room. And I think in the quarterback room, there's a decent floor. I think we saw last year that there's weeks that Stafford can have zero floor. Uh, I think Cousins has one, but um, there's nobody right now, barring a Stafford injury, that you can plug in as a, as a third guy. So you're going to be battling bye weeks, and any injury uh, is going to be a big question mark. So I agree, it's a it's a weakness on this roster. And and you mentioned just the way that Snake Eyes constructed the roster. Another team that has 20 players and zero cap space. So the margins, you know, a little thinner than than some of these teams that have 25 guys and a few dollars to spend. So does the quarterback room tank the season? Probably not. But I think if there's anything that we point to at the end of the year with a failed campaign, it is this room. Uh, the running back room... Um, there are some strong players in it, led by none other than Christian McCaffrey at $74. I think it's safe to say that the number two is James Conner on a great contract at $6. And then you move into this sort of younger group, Damian Pierce, who had a great rookie season, Khalil Herbert, who's showing a lot of promise, uh, kind of 
not being handed the keys in Chicago, but getting rid of a major piece there in David Montgomery. And then Tyler Algier, who had a great season, obviously gains one B. John Robinson on his roster. Um, and then Kendra Miller, the the up-and-coming rookie who's he was back at practice today, but battling some sort of injury, battling, you know, roster kind of barriers. But uh, overall, a solid running back room. Pin, what do you think here? Yeah, I think this is one of the strengths. Uh, it, it can't go understated. Christian McCaffrey, 361 points last year. Uh, probably could have been more because there was that one gap week, if you will, where he went from Carolina to San Francisco, and he you know, only looked at the playbook on his six-hour flight out west. So um, Christian McCaffrey, in, in my opinion, if he stays healthy, is the number one running back, and, and I think that's the big thing that Snake Eyes is banking on. You move down, and you made a great point about James Conner. Granted, the offense is going to be this year, but so is the defense, so it's going to force James Conner into a lot of touches, high volume, love him as a low-end running back, too. Probably will finish as, what, anywhere from RB 15 to 20, so I like that. Um, I have questions about Damian Pierce, and I, I know he played well last year as a rookie, uh, but they did bring in Devin Singletary, they drafted a few running uh, wide receivers, drafted a new quarterback, could throw the ball a little bit more don't necessarily love Damian Pierce as a weekly RB2, and I'd be hesitant to start him on a weekly basis. Uh, Kendra Miller banged up his knee, so I thought that he really missed an opportunity with Alvin Kamara being suspended. For sure. He could have thrived into that role, and now you have J- uh, Jamal Williams, who you know is going to vulture the short yardage goal line, uh, so we really have to question what Kendra Miller's role is going to be when Alvin Kamara returns. And then the last two guys here I'll talk about, Tyler Algier, will be kind of that short yardage goal line guy, and that's about it because you have Bijan Mias and also Corderell Patterson, who could still get carries. And then lastly, Khalil Herbert. I think this is the wild card here, and I'll say this. uh, Really could swing this room one way or another. If it's a three-headed monster in Chicago, uh, this running back room is a BB minus. If Khalil Herbert is the starter consistently weekly, Watch out. It's an A-minus room because now all of a sudden you have James Conner, Khalil Herbert, Christian McCaffrey, who are getting a ton of volume every single week. Love that. Uh, It's thin. Again, as you mentioned, margins are very, very small to pop, uh, but you do have Christian McCaffrey, so you have to like that. So, again, a lot of things to like. Also a lot of questionable uh, variables to kind of figure out over the next, what, six, seven weeks. Yeah, I think for me, like what's interesting and what I'll be following is the – the third guy in this room because we talked about the potential QB woes and you got to start two running backs and you have to start three wide receivers. So there's a flex and there's a potential second super flex spot. And I think it's interesting to, to, to see does the fourth receiver get that flex spot or is it this third running back who is any combination of Khalil Herbert, Damian Pierce, um, or maybe late in the season, Kendra Miller. So I'm going to be watching that third spot. It's it's kind of obvious to me that McCaffrey and James Conner are the guys when healthy who are plug and plays. But uh, does anyone rise to the top and and push this team, like you said, from that BB plus range into the A range with with some serious depth? Um, 
the the wide receiver room is interesting in that there are only six guys. So when you look across the league, we we in this episode already highlighted I think two teams that had eleven wide receivers. You got to start three, um, and and often uh, the fourth is the guy who's filling in that flex spot. So uh, you know top heavy for sure. You have a sixty eight dollar AJ Brown. You have a $48 DK Metcalf, and you have a $14 uh, drafted last year rookie, Garrett Wilson. Um, rounding out the room, Tim Patrick, who just, I believe, tore his ACL or tore his Achilles. He's done. He, he's probably going to get cut, I would have to imagine. Uh, and John Mechie and Gabe Davis rounding out the room. So, you know, on paper, this wide receiver room at the top, you got to start three. The three guys that you start week in and week out, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Garrett Wilson, yeah, those are great. Those are those are all guys that are in the top 24, sorry, maybe top 36 of redraft. Um, but you got to start three. And they all have bye weeks, and you know how football is. So, Gino, am I right in saying that depth is the concern in this room? Massive concern about depth. I mean, the one, two, three every single week, probably the best three that you would throw out there. Um, you're arguing with guys that A.J. Brown and Garrett Wilson and redraft are getting drafted. Anywhere They're the one-two turn. Right, 13 to 17, and then D.K. Metcalf is a mid-third-round pick to mid-fourth-round pick. So you got high talent there. Granted, they're, they're expensive, but I mean, just no, play he's it all out. In, though. I mean, we're talking about this year. I mean, just play it out. I mean, DK Metcalf misses a week. AJ Brown suspended. I, I, I don't suspended. Know. I mean, because he's a Philly dirtbag. I mean, like you, you're you're looking at a scenario where on any given week, if something doesn't fall your way, too. I mean, even if you do start these guys, and instead of AJ Brown catching the two touchdowns, it's Devontae Smith, or instead of DK Metcalf t- having the 100-yard game, it's Tyler Lockett. So those are all possibilities, and while this ru- wide receiver room is great, one, two, three, it's thin like you mentioned, and I'd almost rather have less pop at the top and more depth at the bottom. Uh, I've always been an ass guy over a titties guy. So, you know, give me the wide ass over the big titties. Something to grab onto. Right, exactly. And to quote Coach Mattiotti, just because they're titties doesn't mean you can't fuck them. Uh, I've never heard that one before, but uh, <laughs> it sounds like he's been hanging out with Nolan. <laughs> uh, I think it's a good breakdown, though. I, I We're going to get, obviously, to our— I have to go. I'm getting yelled at. We, no, we're almost there. We're almost there. We just have the tight end room to talk about. But we're going to talk about our picks— and our projections for Snake Eyes, but in my opinion, it, it's the it's the wide receiver room that will dictate that that in the QB room, but the wide receiver room for sure. Uh, the tight end room, there's two, there's only two guys. There's not much to say. The consensus tight end one is on the roster for seventy eight dollars. It's Travis Kelsey, uh, and then a guy who going into the rookie draft, I think was you know, supposed to be like the stud of the group, um, but now is getting very, very little press, and that is Michael Mayer. I don't know if he's dealing with an injury. I don't know if he retired, uh, but there's really nothing there for Snake Guys to fall back on. Yeah, he's ass. If Kelsey 
you know, and it's expected that he is going to be a stud again and that he is the number one. So I'm going to assume that. But if we want to just have any conversation about this room, Gino, it's, it's what's the future? And, and, and does Kelsey get them across the finish line this year? Look, I don't think the um, Snake Eyes is worried about the future. No, they're not. They're all in. I, I don't think the Snake Eyes is worried about week two. He he is a week one and progress type of guy. Um, to quote Barry Alvarez, I'm just concerned about going 1-0 this week. That is the Snake Eyes mantra. So, yeah, to your point, we don't know about Michael Mayer because Sam Laporte has been getting hype. Luke Muxray has been getting hype. Dalton Kincaid has been getting hype. Haven't heard shit about Michael Mayer. Still think he's a good talent. But questions about the future of this team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, Travis Kelsey this year going to be the number one again in Kansas City. Going to have another 300-point performance like he did last year, 330 points. Um, outscored even Kirk Cousins at 297 by 33 points. This might be the biggest strength of the Snake Eyes because you have a top seven player in fantasy to go along with the number one running back. So... Again, Snake Eyes, very, very top-heavy, very, very thin. Doesn't really have a plan for 2024 and beyond, but we will see exactly how it plays out for uh, Snake Eyes this year. What's your prediction? I have them going 8-6. and six. No, I, no, you no, don't. No, I don't. I have them going 9-5. 9-5, uh, that's a playoff spot. Bonafide playoff spot. Playoff spot. Not a division winner. We'll tease that next week. I do think Snake Eyes finds himself into the playoffs, but once you're in the dance, ow, you just don't know how your team's going to perform. Yeah, I mean, he made the he made the dance last year at eight and six, uh, and and rode it all the way into a championship appearance. I have him finishing eight and six again, and I and I mentioned it in in some of the the room projections. I think it's going to be boom or bust uh, for Snake Eyes this year. And it's going to be, I think there's going to be weeks where he's got guys hurt and he's got guys who go off. And it's kind of going to be, if you're 8-6, and six, you're more than likely to make the playoffs. Uh, but it comes down to how big are the booms and how bad are the busts. Bust. So I have him 8-6. I'm not willing to make a playoff prediction on this show. Uh but I, I'm going to be watching Snake Eyes very closely. Uh, obviously, I have to play him twice in division, and he is talking a big, big game. I think he finishes with the exact same record. Does he have the seeds to get over the hump in the playoffs? That'll do it for today's episode. Gino is getting pulled out of my apartment by the neck. Heckled. Heckled, if you will. But we are getting close. We're in preseason week two. We are three weeks from kickoff. God bless. And go get that corn. corn.